the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The news never stops. Life goes on around town and around the world. You need a talk show that keeps track of it. A program with bold opinions that's always open to your views. That is this show. Welcome to the Mark Davis Show on 660 AM. The answer. 8 o'clock hour. Welcome. Come on in. 866-660-5759. That's how you call us. That's how you text us. And we appreciate both. Appreciate you on this beautiful, beautiful Monday morning. Happy President's Day to you. Uh, there were, Over the weekend, there were a couple of stories about, oh, the, the experts have their list of favorite presidents or their list of, well, you know what? Actually, Freudian slip. It is favorite presidents. It, best, pre- quick, who's the best president? Depends on a lot of things. Depends on how importantly you view certain chapters in history. And it depends on how a president has affected your life. I mean, I I can hugely, enormously appreciate the value of a Washington, the value of a Lincoln. I mean, please, of course. But the definitive presidencies of my lifetime, and I I was born during Eisenhower. (laughs) Don't forget Ike. Gotta like Ike. The definitive presidencies of of my lifetime, of course, are, are, are Reagan and Trump. And uh, it's interesting. There may be Trump one and Trump two. That's what we're aiming for. Please, 260 days from now. But I saw this one, like, supposed experts list, you know, where where Biden comes out, ahead, where Biden and Obama come out ahead of Reagan. We're like, what? And again, I know that that some of it is through everybody's individual political eyes. I mean, the reason that the Trump and Reagan presidencies meant so much to me were because they brought about things that I wanted to have happen as a conservative. You know, folks on the left will will value, you know, the LBJ presidency more. They'll value Clinton. Lord knows they'll value Obama because you got what you wanted. And it may be, I don't know, it may be an almost impossible to answer question, at least in the modern era, because when you go back far enough, you know, Lincoln, his stewardship through the Civil War, that's pretty objectively valuable. George Washington, pretty objectively valuable. Thomas Jefferson, pretty objectively valuable. Don't undersell President Number Two, John Adams. So you know, and and so, and, and so the, the the lists are fascinating. The list I'm keeping is the list of days remaining to November fifth. When we can, it's funny the way I phrased it on on the X last night. Two hundred sixty days till we get the chance to select a new president. A whole bunch of people were right on top of me on that saying, hey, we're we're going to elect a new president no matter what, because there's no way Biden is on the ballot. Uh-huh. OK, I probably don't need to belabor that again as we begin a new week. But if you've been if this if this president's day gives you the opportunity to uh, to listen to the show when you ordinarily can't. Here's the 60 to 90 seconds on whether Biden's going to be on the ballot or not. He's going to be until something cataclysmic happens. And sometimes cataclysmic things happen. 
in this particular case, it would need to be Democrats working behind the scenes to somehow yank him from the nomination, probably at their actual convention in Chicago in August. A steamy August summer convention. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, But the thing that we toyed around with a little bit last week was that if there are Democrat insiders working to give Biden the hook so that the Democrats can have an actual chance in November against Trump with someone who can complete sentences, someone who can survive until the next presidential term ends in 2029, that if that cadre of Democrat insiders and puppet masters exists, um, won't they run afoul of the people who are running the country right now? Because he's not. The Biden inner circle, are they going to just step aside and let him be sidelined? Are they going to just step aside and completely obliterate their chance of having power after January 2025? Whoever is, who, whether it's, you know, the Obamas or it's kind of funny. People talk about Michelle Obama running. She ain't going to run. She's just not going to run. It's a real job. She has no interest in that. None. I mean, I fear it like you do because she's a rock star for inexplicable reasons and she would be really hard to beat. And Democrats know this and that's why she is their fever dream. She has zero interest in the heavy lifting of an actual presidential campaign or actually governing Michelle Obama will not be a candidate for president. Um, Of the people who might, from the Gavin Newsoms to the Amy Klobuchars to the... uh, Ah, Elizabeth Warren and the unforgettable Hillary, Uh, as people move behind the scenes to try to make a path for those folks, Biden on the ballot means that Biden has at least a chance of winning. And I know he's nearly dead and, and nearly incoherent and actually incoherent many days, but don't undersell the degree to which Democrats will vote for Biden's head in a jar, a premise I've often used just to keep Trump from winning again. Don't un, don't undersell that. that. That This will not be an easy election under any description. So th- there are people, if that's the case, if Biden does actually stumble, perhaps literally, into a second term, they still get to run the country. Whether it's the Obamas or Jake Sullivan or, you know, or, or whoever is behind the scenes actually running the country. I don't believe, for a minute believe that it's Kamala. But whoever is running the country right now, running the country is pretty cool if you want to do it. And if you have the energy and the drive to do it, running the country, of course, the honest way to do that is to actually be president, you know, to actually be in an elected office that has actual authority and not be some unelected, uh, you know, behind the scenes oligarch. But that's who's running the country right now. And I don't and they're they're not going to loosen their grip willfully. So there could be as as the battle looms, as the months tick by on the way to the uh, the Democrat convention in August. Ours uh, Republican convention is in July in Milwaukee. It'll be the Trump re-coronation. That's, that's going to be a festival. Man, that's going to be something. I'm kind of glad we go first. Very, very glad we go first. Um, and then you'll get to August. And in, in the months leading up to that, probably in the weeks leading up to that, there are amazing things that will happen, almost all of them behind the scenes. And the people who want Biden moved aside will either win or they won't. And that's it. That's impossible to to tell. 
right now. So anyway, there we are. 25th Amendment, not going to happen. It uh, Could a threat of it lead Biden to come on the TV box and tell us, uh, a la LBJ, I will not seek nor will I accept the nomination to be your president, as he did March 31st, 1968. Maybe, because that would require Kamala and more than half the cabinet to be willing to write letters to House Speaker Mike Johnson and President uh, Pro Tem of the Senate, Senator Patty Murray, saying, we don't think he can do this job. We think he is incapacitated. Then Biden could write a letter, if he's able to do so, so someone would do it for him, saying, no, we're good here. And then the original letter writers would say, no, we're doubling down. He can't do this. And then it would go to the Congress. You need two-thirds of the House, two-thirds of the Senate. Everybody, well, maybe everybody knows. This is not like an impeachment. Maybe everybody knows that that would not prevail. But there may be Democrats who might join Republicans in moving Biden aside. But conversely, there may be Republicans who vote to keep him there because we'd like to have him on the ballot rather than somebody that can actually participate in a debate. So there's where we are. I know that took more than two minutes. There's where we are. Enormous uncertainty as to whether Biden will be on the ballot. If he's not, then we obviously, by definition, get a different president sworn in January 20th of 2025. All right, let's um, let's pause and examine the degree to which our justice system has been has been has been corrupted. This the whole New York thing, Letitia James. Here, as a matter of fact, let me just let me just set you up by the, the this three hundred fifty five million-dollar verdict against Trump and his corporation, New York. It is this kind of thing that will energize countless folks. The following questions for you. I'm going to take the break right now, come back and share some thoughts about what happened there. They're trying to destroy him politically, trying to destroy him personally, trying to destroy him financially. And the reaction that I, that I largely perceive is a growing number of people saying this will not stand. This adds to the Trump base. And so I want your thoughts on how you think that's going to go. 866-660-5759. And what Mike and I were just talking about, we have all kinds of, of willy-nilly voting procedures in various states. Should we avoid them in a protest against them? Or use them until they are done away with because we can't afford to lose one vote uh, in November of 2024. Because I, I think I'm sticking with this. If we, got, if we have way too much early voting, and yes, we do, well, okay, use it. If we have way too much ballots by mail in various states, okay, let's get rid of that. But until we do, use it. Because we can sit here all day and feel really great and say, doggone it, I'm going to vote just on election day. But then, you you know, you break your leg. Or, you know, I'm not going to do uh, the mail-in balloting. But then something more, you know, you end up with a flu and, you know, you, and we're, we are going to lose votes. So let's use every device that we have, use every avenue that we legally, legally have. I know those are the ones that are easily corruptible, but we're not corrupting them. We're using them to bring about a good end. Your thoughts on that, too. 866-660-5759. Mark Davis, 819. But we're never going to survive. Oh, 
Trump campaign theme. Never going to survive unless we get a little crazy. It is Seal's birthday. Seal Henry Olusegun Olumide Adeola Samuel. <laughs> Trips off the tongue. <laughs> Greatness of Seal. Could have, I guess they've done that. That's a 33-year-old record, man. That or um, Kiss from a Rose. Kiss from a Rose is great, too. 1994. So, happy birthday, Seal. By the way, you know, that's that's probably not a bad point. You know what I'm talking about? We're never, we're never going to survive unless we, we go a little crazy. The, the Nikki Haley um, death rattle campaign meme of the moment is uh, make America normal again. Really? Is this a reference to sort of the, the mean tweets or the white knuckle ride of, of any journey that we take with Donald Trump? You know, those are, as I've said a million times, those are sideshows. They don't matter. It is policies and agendas that matter. And do we have border normalcy now? Do we have gender normalcy? Do we have economic normalcy? It, it'll, it's ironic might take a little splaining, but I'm here to splain every day that it is in this most unconventional of packages, a second Trump presidency, that our path to normalcy lies. The normalcy of actually punishing people for committing crimes. The normalcy of actually having a, a, a tax system that supports business rather than breaks them down. The normalcy of actually having a national border. Whoo, look at that. Things are very abnormal right now. And in, in the Republican Party, the state of normal has been far too many insufficient conservatives, far too many moderate squishes. And we're working on changing that norm as well. So if those are the norms, insufficient conservative efforts battling a, an out-of-control left, then give me abnormal, give me a little crazy every day because it will lead to greater sanity. So $355 million in this verdict against Trump. And in laying the foundation for that, Judge Arthur Engeron said, by his own admission, this is a venial sin, not a mortal sin. But $355 million speaks somewhat differently. That judgment against Trump, against his family, against his associates... Oh, you, the, the cat that ate the canary. Here's New York Attorney General uh, Letitia James. Today, justice has been served. Today, we prove that no one is above the law. No matter how rich, powerful, or politically connected you are, everyone must play by the same. Every American who believes in that simple but fundamental pillar of our democracy, that the rule of law applies to all of us equally. Fairly and justly. <sighs> Lightning should strike those who refer to this in terms of equality and fairness and justice. What did Trump do? Undervaluing and overvaluing property is a, just a longstanding practice in New York real estate. The forms submitted by the Trump organization told the banks. Do your own estimates. And the loans were paid in full and on time. It, there, there is no victim. There is no 
victim. Letitia James campaigned on bringing Trump down and turned the law uh, into a weapon to be used against him. And this Judge Engeron was, was the perfect foil. If you read the opinion, it's 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 an offense to facts. It's an offense to the law. It is an offense to logic. And the amount of the damages is positively grotesque. It will not survive on appeal. And uh, and so we'll just sort of see how this goes. But before the legal wheels turn, the political wheels will. This this the appeals process for Trump on this settlement could be years in the resolution. But we have something we can resolve on November fifth, and you can strike a blow in every state against this kind of of torment, against this kind of persecution, by putting him back in the White House. That that in in the minds of some only that will make right the kinds of malice and the kinds of mischief that we have seen in the courts, in the media, and in our many, many institutions. All right, let me hit the uh, newscast here with Nikki Whaley. When we come back, Jared Patterson, a good conservative in so many ways, yet a a, a high priest of the Church of Paxton Hatred, uh, went after a number of groups, among them Texans for Vaccine Choice. They will reply next. 8.30, Mark Davis, here's Nikki. On this Monday, on this President's Day, great to have you here. So let's dive into some stuff that happened over the weekend. It seems that my my daily uh, function, and I'm glad, really glad to do it because it's something that you need to do almost hourly, is to take a look at things you may be hearing, things you may be reading, and say, okay, wait a minute, is that really true? Um, you may have heard, perhaps seconds ago, uh, the notion of the Brandon Gill defund the police instinct. Uh, Brandon will be with us tomorrow at 835, and he will answer that charge. Uh, over the weekend, uh, we, we had there was just a whole lot that happened over the weekend, the continuing psychological break of Drew Springer in his uh, Paxton Hatred um, online tour. And a a an op-ed by state representative Jared Patterson and it's kind of funny amid all the Paxton haters and amid all the uh, the 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 feeling acolytes a lot of them are just moderate squishes it makes brother patterson a, a really interesting and quizzical head scratching case because his conservatism is pretty well beyond doubt and yet uh a part of the Paxton hate brigades and part of a mobilizing effort to discredit real conservatives, ostensibly like him, who are engaged in some messaging in this primary season, where, as Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick will tell us, he'll join us 835 on Wednesday. We have an opportunity. And it's it, it's funny. We haven't really needed this. If, if I'm on the, on the show talking to you guys 15, 20 years ago, and I was, 30 years ago, as a matter of fact, coming March, thank you. But if I had said, look, uh, Texas Republican Party, do we have enormous warring factions between real conservatives and, and squishes? I mean, when Joe Strauss was speaker, that would arise. 
But in this Dade feeling era and in this era of, of, of Austin swamp creatures and in the era of Trump, an energized national party that is moving in so many directions to bring bold, unapologetic conservatism to bear against not just the left, but among insufficiently conservative Republicans. Here is Jared Patterson in the Dallas Morning News over the weekend. This was this ran on um, Saturday, and it talks about how you're being you're being lied to. And I mean, I told you the ways in which you're being lied to, and I'll continue to every uh, every day. This cycle, Jared writes, they've sunk to new lows using conservative sounding names like Texans for strong borders, Texas Family Project, Texas gun rights, Texans for vaccine choice, Texans for fiscal responsibility, and others aimed at tricking voters. Tricking voters? Rebecca Hardy was among the founders of Texans for Vaccine Choice and is its current president. Thought we'd say hello to her. Hey, Rebecca, how are you? Good morning. I'm great, Mark. Well, so let's talk about how this struck you and then give folks a little bit of history here because it has been an interesting ride for your group and various others. But what was the first you heard of this and how do you folks think you what do you guys did do to deserve this? (laughs) Great question. You know, it does. It seems very clear, Mark, that Representative Patterson is hell bent on establishing this narrative that anyone who criticizes him or the colleagues in the Texas House must somehow be controlled opposition who cannot think for themselves. And the problem with that is that Texans for Vaccine Choice, or TFEC is our acronym, is a grassroots organization that began nearly 10 years ago. We have a staff of five moms. This is who he is attacking. And we are small, but we are mighty, and we have nearly 100,000 supporters and that care very deeply about this issue. Uh, I, so I assume this means, uh, you know, a young lady named Sarah Gonzalez. Would I be correct? I would be. I know Sarah Gonzalez very well. We were block walking for our pro-vaccine uh, candidates back in 2015 and 2016 together. So we have been in the trenches in this in a, for a long time. Uh, pro-vaccine choice. Pro-vaccine choice. Mm-hmm. I mean, gotcha. Um, so the reason I mentioned Sarah is she said, I- I've stayed quiet on this topic for long enough. What Jared Patterson wrote in the Dallas Morning News today is total BS, and he should be ashamed. He's engaging in the very same slimy leftist tactics he accuses others of doing. Texans for Vaccine Choice started years before Patterson ever ran. and In the, in the most grassroots way, a bunch of moms decided to stand up and fight back. How do I know? Because I was one of them. And then Jer- and here's the other thing. From Drew Springer's continuing slide into mental dysfunction to Jared uh, they they just can't let it go. That they're, they're I, listen. You think the left will come after you as a conservative? You ain't seen nothing like like moderate squishes and their willing handmaidens in Austin. She, uh, he writes back, Sarah. You'd have more credibility if you weren't on the payroll. Like like that matters. Uh, the, the the Texans for Vaccine Choice crew used to be grassroots. Then Stickland, here we go. Then Stickland. <laughs> Kicked out 
uh, the uh, hang on a second was created worked then Stickland for the, used to be then Stickland kicked out the executive director and took it over. That's why Texans for Medical Freedom was created and worked with the legislature all session. Listen, I I I don't I don't I've been friends with Jonathan for a long time. I have no idea what led to that that deeply unfortunate meeting with this Nick Fuentes creature, but the attempt to weaponize that and drape it around every conservative or every group that dares to stand up against the swamp is crazy and shameful. So what do you think this is about? What stance have you guys taken that triggers these people so deeply? Well, and that's really the greatest question is that we have never done, we have literally never done anything that he has accused us of. Uh, We have never sent any mailers. We never sent any negative texts. Everything we have released this session has, this cycle, this primary cycle has been very positive. So this op-ed, frankly, and his, and his, frankly, his obsession with us is extremely off base. We have uh, done nothing what of what he's accusing us of. It just it just seems like this is a, an intentional undermining, Mark. I mean, maybe the polling numbers of his colleagues are just that bad. I don't know. But again, why attack this mom-led nonprofit? Rebecca Hardy is here. Texans for Vaccine Choice. What What's the website for you guys? TexansforVaccineChoice.com. And our voter guide is right there on the homepage. Let's, ha- let's elect some people that will stand against Stand up against big pharma. Does and, and so let me. I'm glad you mentioned the voter guide because you guys have been engaged in activism. All these groups that uh, that that Jared chose to smear: Texans for Strong Borders, Texas Family Project, Texas Gun Rights, Texans for Fiscal Responsibility. Please, and you guys, you guys are out there trying to to uh, benefit certain campaigns to achieve certain things. Would it tend to to align with? Sort of the, I mean, there's a sort of a Paxton flavor to it. There's, I mean, Abbott on school choice has a certain slate of folks, and those aren't always in direct alignment with each other. There's an anti-Felin sort of vibe. Does your slate of preferred candidates tend to align with any of that? Well, I I don't know because I am a I'm a one trick pony here in Texas politics. I am fully focused on vaccine choice rights in Texas, and so there might be some over, overlap. I don't know. I am just here to tell you who will be the vaccine choice fighter in these House and Senate district races. And you know, I would just like to mention that you know we have made we made a name for ourselves as a leader in this battle for vaccine choice ten years ago. Patterson himself happily took our endorsement four years ago. What changed, Mark? TFEC did not. So let, then let's focus on that. If, if you are proudly self-identifying as focused in on this issue, and that means that this issue is the lens through which you saw all of your endorsements. I can see people think, how is this kind of a thing? COVID is so deeply in our rearview mirror. Are there still vaccine mandates out there? How's, to, to what extent is this even still an issue in our lives? That's a great question. So the the truth is, is that the Texas House worked very systematically to kill legislation that we were championing, that the Senate sent over over a dozen protective pieces of legislation that our supporters were wanting passed. And so this is so much bigger than COVID. I mean, Texas for Vaccine Choice was on the scene before COVID. And the thing is, is that, yes, we did pass SB7 that ended COVID vaccine mandates for employment in Texas. But let's be clear. That thing just went into effect a couple of weeks ago. In 2024, Texas is just now banning COVID mandates for employees 
we are not leading on this issue of medical liberty in Texas. It is a far cry, no matter how many political mailers land in your mailboxes saying that your state rep banned vaccine mandates in Texas. Let's be clear. They banned COVID mandates only for employees. Just last week, I got phone calls from two families that said their children wouldn't even be placed on a transplant list if they didn't get a litany of vaccines, including the COVID shot. So this is not over in Texas by far. What are some of the other ones? I mean, we've fought the COVID battle and obviously there were victories and they're not, they may they may be incomplete and there may be still battles left to win. But what other types of shots are, are ones that you don't think ought to be required? Well, I, I'm not here to tell people to vaccinate or not to vaccinate. I am simply here to preserve your right to say yes or no without, un, without consequence or coercion. I mean, this whole thing is just about being able to have control over what you do or do not inject into your body, which should not be a controversial stance. So as we take a look at, at, you know, I mean, I'm old enough to remember getting all kinds of shots when I was a kid. We still get all kinds of shots, et cetera. Are we, and, and those and th- those aren't voluntary, should we be loosening that up, all, all kinds of things on various things that, that kids have gotten for decades? Well, you know, the fact is, is that Texas has had a longstanding exemption process in, in for school children. You've been allowed to say decline one, some, or all vaccines for school enrollment in Texas, Texas for generations. So this is not a new, a new thing to say. Uh, I think we'll pass. So um, whether we get more at shots added to the schedule or not, it's, that's really not my lane. My lane is saying, go get any and all that you want for you and your children. It just needs to not be by government control or coercion. Rebecca Hardy, founder, one of many founders and current president, Texans for Vaccine Choice. And the website is texansforvaccinechoice.com. Rebecca, thank you. Appreciate it very much. Thanks for your time. Thank you. You betcha. All right, 849, Mark Davis, 660 AM, The Answer. Wait for it. Wait for it. Lou Christie. He's 81 today. Lightning strikes. 1965. MGM Records. I had this one. Nature's taken over my one track mind. All right, there we are. Well, we'll uh Will political lightning strike in uh, Texas District 21? I don't know. I'm the guy who has always told you that incumbents are really hard to beat. Add to that the fact that the Speaker of the House, Dade Phelan, is is the Speaker of the House, and, and the local folks. Kind of, it's kind of cool when the guy from your district is Speaker of the House. That's that's a, that's a nice uh, shiny object. <sighs> But it all depends, obviously, duh, depends on the voters of that district down toward the Gulf Coast, way southeast of us. Uh, David Covey is the one alternative who's got some money and some traction and a Trump endorsement and a Patrick endorsement and a Paxton endorsement. If you put all of these together, is it possible? Is it possible that Dade Phelan is vulnerable? The answer is yes. Uh what does vulnerable mean? It means that, they, that it, there's there may be a likelihood of taking Dade Phelan out that you might not have otherwise had in another year. It depends. I mean, down in that District 21, 
which is, you know, Beaumont. It's uh, that corner of southeast Texas that's right there along the Louisiana border. It's closer to Baton Rouge than Austin, actually. Lots of refineries, lots of industry, lots of uh, of, of, of working-class folks down there. And if those working-class folks have just had it, had it with the soft conservatism of the House leadership, the Swiss cheese devotion to conservative principles, yes, we, we did get some things. We absolutely did. We did get the heartbeat bill. We did get constitutional carry. We did get a number of things that have been on the wish list for a while. Know what else we got? Democrat committee chairs. And that's that should be unacceptable to every conservative. We got the failure to come across on various things like school choice, which a lot of people are lying to you about in their primary commercials. There are things he could have done and didn't, and they are deeply important. And in this red state, we should demand better. So uh, if, I'm certainly not going to predict that Phelan loses. That would be that, that'd be dumb. But is it possible? Sure it is. It depends on the voters of District 21. It depends on the degree to which down there in that district, if there is this passion to, to, to strike out and make a statement that says it's time for the, the Texas House to behave like a chamber in a deep red state should behave. No more Democrat chairs. No more foot dragging on things Republican voters want. No more. And if the voters in 21 are willing to say no more, then Dade Phelan will lose on March 5th. That is a huge if. Depends on those good folks down in uh, down in 21. All righty. All you good folks listening, thank you. Two hours down, one to go. Got a few other things to explore in our 9 o'clock hour, so grab a line, 866-660-5759. I think J.D. Vance uh, noticed an uptick in his running mate uh, cred uh, for speaking truth to uh, to some Europeans about Europe and a number of other things from the weekend's news. Grab a line, 858, Mark Davis, 9 o'clock hour ahead. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.